boss lady. How are you making a difference? I'm Andrea Gigline. And I'm Christy Atwater. And this is Hey Boss Lady, a podcast about women in leadership and what they're doing with their power. Today, we're going to talk about that expletive broad. That's a book just out, written by a fascinating woman named Jennifer Gaynor. That's right. She's an attorney in the gaming industry, and her book is all about women overcoming odds to make it in an industry many people think is all about men. Jennifer, welcome to Hey Boss Lady. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. Yes, welcome, Jennifer. Well, I've got to start with the pandemic as much as I dislike it, because knowing how the industry's been impacted and your attorney within the industry, but more importantly, you're a person who just wrote an incredible book and needs to get out and about and talk about that book like you're doing with us today. So how are you holding up through all of this? Well, fortunately, as an attorney, I have a job where I can do a lot of work remotely and from home. So, you know, I'm doing a lot better than, you know, those people who are in the service industry and haven't been able to work or have been laid off. So extremely fortunate in that respect. Um, with, With book promotion, you know, it's been going surprisingly well. You know, this is probably the second or third podcast I've done. I might do another, you know, radio show, uh, you know. I, I did one presentation for Global Gaming Women, and they oh, just super. asked me to do another one. Um, so, you know, that's right. going well. I mean, I'm not having my big book launch party that I right. had envisioned. Correct. You know, I'm still trying to work out how to do a virtual launch party. Yes. It's, it's a lot less exciting. Yes. <laughs> well, so, so because you are in the gaming industry, you know how it's impacting you and how, as a person in the legal part of it, yeah, there's a lot you can do online, but this is a service industry. This is a people industry. From that viewpoint, how do you see the industry doing? You know, it's it's a very difficult time for Las Vegas. As you know, you know, we have hospitality, tourism, the service industry, all of it has been, um, you know, more greatly impacted than most other fields. And, you know, that being our dominant industry and dominant employer here in Southern Nevada Uh, It's been a very difficult time for the industry. Jennifer, I have to ask, how are women in the industry, do you think, being affected by this pandemic? Uh, Women are actually being more impacted than men uh, by this pandemic. And and I've heard the term, let me say it correctly, she-session instead of recession, she-session being bandied about. Um, but it really makes sense in the in the Great Recession, the last recession, more men than women lost their jobs. This time is the other way around. Um, I, I recently read a, a stat where 11.5 million women uh, between February and May lost their jobs compared to about 9 million men. Um, so it's, you know, going the other way, which is really bad uh, for women. Uh, and especially when you look at uh, that women have a higher percentage of jobs in the hospitality, leisure, and child care industries. Um, and they're also more dependent on child care and school being in session, having their kids going to school to be able to work. Um, so a lot more of that burden falls to them. So it's it's incredibly difficult time for women. Yeah, you know, the a lot of people may not be aware, but the entry-level positions within the gaming industry many times start in the housekeeping, which will be predominantly female. And that's where the first levels of management you can get into if you make it through those ranks. And the same thing within our restaurants. Mm. All of the various industries, and if a hotel is only operating at 25 percent or 50 percent, that means that that 
portion of the population in and of itself automatically does not have jobs. Right. So it's very hard if you don't get to start out to actually make it up the ranks. So what do you think, Jennifer? Do you think this will change the industry? Absolutely. And, you know, I, as you can see, my book has been really positive. I, I'm trying yes. to have a very hopeful outlook on things uh, during this uh, pandemic. Um, and one of my hopes is that the lessons, um, some of the lessons of the pandemic uh, might make some longer lasting change to improve, you know, work-life balance for everyone um, and improve uh, the chances for women to make it in the industry when they're not held back by challenges such as being the primary caregiver for children that oftentimes will hold them back. Um, you know, and I think one of the lessons of the pandemic is that employees can be productive working from home, working remotely. And I hope a lot of employers, you know, when the pandemic passes, when we have vaccine, don't necessarily go right back to mandating that you're in the office, you know, five days a week, 40 hours a week, um, but provide a little more flexibility um, so that would be one hopefully uh, positive outcome of all of this. And what about all of the women who have made it into the very senior levels? You know, you you write in your book about, uh, I mean, all, you know, the, the most current uh, women. And uh, Becky Harris being like one of the first, you know, chairman of the, of the Gaming Control Board. And now she's had a, another female successor come behind her. Mm -hmm. um, for that type of progress... Do you see this six months or year lapse having an impact? Absolutely, because, you know, over the last decade, um, you know, women had really been making gains in the workplace. Um, and, you know, as of right now, you know, those have all been eroded. So I, I think people need to really focus and, and make it a priority to ensure that women don't lose these gains that we've made over the last decade in the workforce. So, Jennifer, you know, knowing that our state is so dependent on a, an industry, the industry you wrote about, where women have come up. And knowing also that we have a lot of women in power in all different positions, what do you see? Who's the shining lights of maybe someone you wrote about or the characteristics? Tell us something that really raises our hearts and gives us the hope that no matter where we are right now, we're going to make it through it. Well, looking back at the progress we've been making, you know, you mentioned Becky Harris. She was the first female uh, chair of the Nevada Gaming Control Board, um, but, which, as we were discussing earlier, you know, didn't really get that much fanfare when it happened. But it was a really big deal. Uh, the board was founded in 1955. We had the first uh, female member of the board with uh, Patty Becker in 1983. And then we didn't have our first female chair until Becky Harris was appointed in 2018. That's wow. more than 60 years right. before we had a female chair of the of the board. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, when, when Becky left, uh, her the, the next uh, gaming control board uh, chair was another woman, Sandra Douglas Morgan. So, you know, I think that speaks a, a lot to the gains that women have made in the industry because it's incredibly important who the regulators are, who is writing the laws, who is making the regulations um, to make sure that, you know, they're female sensitive and they, they look out for women's issues, you know, such as sexual harassment, which is something that Becky Harris, you know, tackled in her role as a state senator um, and continued to tackle in her role as board chair. That's really incredible. Because I know, you know, like, definitely the Patty Beckers of the world, mm -hmm. they, their story, and if you'd like to go, because she showed for me, a natural transition of this 40-year period where the industry began to open. Because prior to that, you know, there were very few women in power. They were the owners, mm -hmm. like the Claudine Williams of the world and 
And Judy I, Bailey. Yes. yes, 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 yes. So talk about that progress. Talk about the path, the Patty Beckers. What does that look like? You know, Patty Becker, she's a she's a force. So, you know, she's always going to be an outlier and, you know, her, her natural talents were, you know, noticed. Um, it's, it's important to note her talents were noticed by men, Correct. you know, by a series of, you know, the Attorney General, Richard Bryan, who I, I worked with for many years, um, great man, uh, you know, and, and Nevada's governors that, you know, put her in the, the places where, where she was. <laughs> yes. And, and Pat, I have a personal relationship. I mean, Patty, mm -hmm. she did my baby shower for my daughter. Mm-hmm back in 84, and she is right now planning the baby shower for my daughter's baby today. She was the woman I went to mm -hmm. when I needed female professionals in this state in 1987 to get that I needed for my master's thesis. Mm -hmm. She has always been a person who across the board reached back. Yes. And that characteristic, you know, to the current, you know, the the gaming, the mm -hmm. women's gaming, mm -hmm. uh, uh, what, what is it? Women, global gaming, global women. gaming women. Mm -hmm. Okay, that organization was her child, mm -hmm. and along with the wonderful women who she had surrounded herself with as she continued to trudge through this industry. So take us back again, if you will, to the trudging through. This is a, this was a male dominated industry in mm -hmm. a sexualized way like the evolution of this industry is actually culturally evolutionary also in a more upfront way <laughs> than others so talk to us a little bit about it those is. people yes well and, and I talk about you know in my book how you know when you think of women in Las Vegas and casinos you think of showgirls you think of you know the cocktail waitresses that are wearing bikinis mm -hmm. you know you think of uh, the date who's you know blowing a, a kiss to the dice before the the man rolls you know the winning craps roll uh, and, you know that's why I've been very excited to highlight women like like Patty uh, Becker and Virginia McDowell and you know mm -hmm. the Deborah Nutt and the women who have come up in the executive ranks um, with gaming companies because like you said you know back in the day uh, you know we had women who were dealers we had women who were owners um, and often the, the ownership would come about because they had bought the property in tandem with a husband mm -hmm. and then when the husband passed on they took over right. um, and did a wonderful job and proved they could do it but you know they may not have been in that place or that role you know without that you know s series of circumstances of situations happening uh, you know, for, for Virginia and for Patty and the women who were really the groundbreakers, um, you know, it took their persistence, their talent, um, but it also took men believing in them and, and having male mentors and, and men who said, you know, you need to do this. I want you to come with me and do this. You can do this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I think we still need that today, even though we've made these strides and we have, you know, women like like Patty Becker and Global Gaming Women. Um, you know, providing that reach back, providing the support uh, for women in the industry. And I think that's incredibly important. But at the same time, we still need men uh, yeah. to be those mentors and to, to help facilitate the. And, and uh, we, Christy and I, have both appreciated that every person that has been before these microphones with us. Mm -hmm. there, that is the thing that keeps coming up. The women who have made it into positions of power clearly recognize it is not 
a battle against another group to wipe out another group, Mm -hmm. but it is in that ability to know that there are people who stand by your side. You know, you mentioned uh, Dick Bryan. Mm -hmm. There's many people. It's just not Patty Becker that he did that with. Mm -hmm. Um, This current governor, uh, there is a reason why we have a, a, a woman as the gaming control behind it, even though there was a government change. Mm -hmm. You know, that is what they believe in. What do you think the qualities the women have innately that made them successful in this this business? Um, I'm sure there was many, but what are Mm -hmm. some that stand out to you? Uh, Well, you know, first of all, I think it's just the the willingness to be persistent, the willingness to ask questions, and the willingness to ask to be trained in areas where maybe women hadn't been before. Uh, You know, I talk about in the book the willingness to be the first is, you know, the number one most important trait that they have. You know, you can be super smart, you can do a great job, but maybe you won't be recognized for it or maybe you'll get stalled in a certain position if you're Mm -hmm. not, you know, looking for that next jump, if you're not saying... You know, like Claudine Williams is a great example of this. Uh, you know, she went to the, the supper club. You know, she first of all asked to be hired there when she was only 16. She convinced them that she could deal dice when she really didn't know how. <laughs> she got them to train her how to deal cards when there were no female dealers. You know, she really pushed it and she, she asked for it. And, you know, and people, then the men, I think, were impressed by that and they were impressed by her work ethic. Um, and, and that's how she became the success, you know, that she was. So I think, you know, uh, persistence and, and not being afraid to be the first and not being afraid to ask for training, ask for, you know, a new position maybe in, in an area where there aren't a lot of women, um, you know, take those risks. Well, and Jennifer, like you have your own trajectory, and mm-hmm. I'd love to hear, you know, kind of what you've done to make it to where you are. Uh, well, you know, interesting story. I never planned to be a, a gaming lawyer. You know, I, I wonder if anyone ever does. <laughs> I, I, these things kind of, though, you know, you do get a lot of uh, mm-hmm. students at the at the Boyd School of Law who want to be gaming lawyers. And they're mm-hmm. like, do you know what gaming law really is? And mm-hmm. It's not always as exciting as you think. There's a lot of uh, licensing and regulations. And, you know, you kind of have to be a regulatory wonk like I am to enjoy it. Um, but no, I was actually a, a journalism student in undergrad. And I thought I wanted to be a journalist, and then I was offered, you know, a job for about $20,000 a year to live in New York City, and I realized that was not going to cut it. <laughs> Welcome to journalism. Welcome to journalism, <laughs> though I, I still have a love of writing, obviously. Um, and then I ended up somehow working in the tech industry, and uh, I, I focused on handheld and mobile computing back in the uh, early 90s when those wow. things were really breaking out, yeah. um, which was great, but then the tech bubble burst. And, you know, I I didn't get laid off, but I saw people getting laid off around me. And, you know, we were a market research company. And when, you know, companies have to cut the fat, market research is one of the first things that goes. Um, So I applied to law school. And uh, the reason why I was interested in law school was I remember back in J school, um, you know, learning about the First Amendment, learning about the importance of the Fourth Estate. And it was something I really Mm -hmm. believe in. So, you know, I thought I would go into journalism, you know, communications law. Um, and that is what I focused on in, in law school. I did a ton of clerkships um, for NPR, for the FCC, for the NTIA, for the National Association of Broadcasters, you know, very focused on communications law. Um, but then when I was looking for jobs, I was uh, clerking at the NAB. And as you may know, they have a... And what um, is the NAB? National Association of Broadcasters. Okay, oh, thank okay. you. And they have a large trade show in Las Vegas every year. Um 
So they had counsel that, you know, worked at a Las Vegas firm, uh, Lionel Sawyer and Collins. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, put in a good word for me with that counsel. And next thing I know, I had an interview and I was flying to Las Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) So here you are, you've created a good, solid career and reputation. Mm -hmm. What makes you want to write a book bringing out all the incredible women that had been around you? Uh, Well, you know, I had been a gaming lawyer for 15 years, and I realized that I didn't know that many stories of of women, Mm -hmm. you know, who had been groundbreaking in the the gaming industry. You know, there were women that I knew, like Ellen Whittemore, who I worked with at Lionel Soren Collins, um, you know, had gone on to be general counsel at The Win. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously, that's a great example of an amazing, you know, uh, expletive broad in the gaming industry. Exactly. Um, But, you know, I didn't know that many other stories, you know, coming from the East Coast, not being raised here. Um, you know, in the very small town that Las Vegas is. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to do some research. And, you know, heck, I wanted a reason to talk to a lot of these women. (laughs) Oh, what a great idea. That is that is really perfect. I I don't know, Christy, I think that's a little bit why we do Hey Boss Lady. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's true to be able to interact with those women that are really making a difference in the community. I mean, that's what this podcast is about, Mm -hmm. how women impact, you know, our, our culture, our community and the world at large. Yes, and they've all been so incredibly gracious when I reach out to them, you know, of their time, you know, reading over their chapters, giving me feedback, um, you know, Patty Becker, Sandra Morgan, uh, Becky Harris, like, yeah, it's been incredible. Now, so so the characteristics, mm-hmm. if you were to think again of the top five characteristics of all of the people in your book, I don't want to put you on the spot for five, but the things that really resonated, that when you went from conversation to conversation, all of a sudden you were saying to yourself, oh, look, that's like that. That's like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, persistence, yeah. um, willingness to take risks and do something that, uh, you know, especially back in you know older times that women didn't do. And, you know, be able to face the, the scrutiny um, of your family and your friends uh, you know, when, in my book, I go back to women, you know, who were in the Wild West as card dealers. Um, you know, one of them, Lottie Dino, you know, when her father died uh, as a casualty in the Civil War, um, you know, they, her family shipped her off to Detroit hoping she could find a husband to run the plantation for them. Instead, she found uh, gambling. You know, her, her father actually had introduced her to, to gambling. He would take her on business trips and bring her along with him to casinos. So that's how she learned how to play. But, you know, when she was off on her own, off, you know, supposedly looking to find a husband, instead she discovered a love for for gambling and that she was really good at it and she could make enough money at it um, that she could send money home to support her mother and her sister. But she had to lie to them about what she was doing. (laughs) And and even the name Lottie Dino, you know, that's not her actual name, um, but she took it on as a as a moniker because she thought it might protect her family from hearing about her exploits. Um, so I don't know if that's a characteristic, but, you know, just the, the willingness to be a, a first, um, the willingness to ask, you know, I, I think maybe it's a certain amount of imagination, mm-hmm. um, creativity, being able to visualize something that you can't see in front of you. Right. You know, and that's something women coming up today, you know, they have the benefit of seeing, you know, Patty and Claudine and, you know, all these examples of women who have come before, which is great and amazing. Um, But, you know, when you don't have that, you need a little bit of imagination, I think. Those are the types of things that I think about when I see books like yours, Mm -hmm. where where it is about how have we done it so far. Mm -hmm. My mind always goes to 
where can we take it next? Mm -hmm. When Christy asked the first time, what are the characteristics? There is something about progress mm -hmm. that needs certain energies to happen. And the, the group that you wrote about, and I do want you, I would like to pause for a moment, and, like, is, who's your favorite? Everyone has a favorite child. I know you have Parker, so, <laughs> not Parker. <laughs> so, of the women in the of book? Of the women yes. in the book. Oh, how do you I pick know. a favorite? They're I, all I, so different. But you can pick a favorite for a characteristic. You don't have to pick a favorite as though there's no other. You know, I have to say, Becky Harrison, not just because we're personal friends, but okay. like I have seen firsthand her persistence, her her doggedness. When she gets a goal in mind, she pursues it and cannot be stopped. Um, it, it's funny. I, I first met Becky when she was a state senator, mm -hmm. and I was a lobbyist. And I was lobbying on issues where, you know, she wanted something, my clients wanted something different. And, you know, she made me work. <laughs> you know, she made me work for that. Um, you know, and along the way, you know, we, we became friends. Um, but I've always been incredibly impressed by how, you know, dogged she is with, you know, this is a goal, this is important, we're going to make this happen. Uh, like when she was a, a state senator, I talk about this in the book, um, she realized that there were all these untested rape kits mm -hmm. just sitting in storage. And she like went through budgets and she found money. Like she spent hours and hours and hours, you know, looking through budgets, finding places where she could find money to fund the testing of these rape kits. And she did that. And am I correct? Because I do remember when that happened that there was actually an effort to allow for private funds to be able to be raised to get that done. Oh, I don't recall, but... Yeah, there was... Uh, I know that there was a... It was so shocking when mm -hmm. it hit the news that the reason these tests had not been done was because the funding had not been allocated, which, you know, one of our very early guests was the CEO from SafeNet. Oh. Uh, SafeNest. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, it was only 1979 when this state actually put being hit by your husband as actually abuse, that they had a, a criteria where the size of the hand, you know, if it was oh, the, the back of your head. Thumb. Oh, yes, yes. So, <laughs> you know, these are very current. These are, well, it's definitely my lifetime um, where, the, where these things are changing. And so when you know that a woman, and that, I think, answers that question that we keep asking, mm -hmm. what is the difference when a woman enters and has power. Whereas a man may not think that those kits, like it mm -hmm. may have been easy and not in a, that like front of mind, we don't care if we never catch those rapists, but, oh, it's not important. We'll, you know, like feeding, you know, other things, educating mm -hmm. children may, may go ahead on that budget line, not realizing that educating a child becomes more difficult if the mom is still traumatized because mm -hmm. of a rape and that type of a thing. So you've kind of highlighted in that one story of Becky that that is the impact that women have. Jennifer, me and you have sons about similar age, so mm. I'm going to try and get some advice out of you. <laughs> I'm wondering, you know, when we look about look at the future, what what do you hope your son takes with him? And have you talked about the book with him? I mean, I know he's young, mm -hmm. but... Um, what do you hope he brings forward in his life? Well, I hope, uh, you know, I can be kind of a role model for him in seeing what a woman can be and accomplish, you know, so he doesn't necessarily 
put women in a certain pigeonhole. Um, so, you know, that's what I'm trying to do for him. But also, you know, sometimes he'll be like, well, boys are faster than girls or boys are smarter than girls. And I have mm-hmm. no idea where this is coming from. But then, you know, I make sure to show him examples of where, you know, women are strong, women are fast, mm-hmm. women are smart. You know, look at this, you know, she's an astronaut. Look at her. She's an Olympic runner. Like, you know, I try to give him those positive examples of, you know, women, uh, female achievement. Yeah. So what else, what other things from your book, like what are your favorite quotes? Um, well, of course, uh, the title of the book. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, uh, you that know, and, 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 I, I, I do. You I have do, to tell us the story. I that. did want to know what the story was behind <laughs> that. So we'll go to the, the quote second if you'll just tell us the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it comes from uh, Deborah Nutton. Um, and she was the first female crops dealer in Las Vegas uh, when she started in 1979. Um And she had been a nursing student, so when her boss warned her that bending over the craps table will ruin your ovaries, you know, trying to dissuade her from doing this, you know, going where women shouldn't be, uh, fortunately, you know, having a degree in nursing, she knew that was not true, and she persisted. Um, and, and she did uh, an amazing job. And, you know, she was promoted so that by the age of 25, um, she was uh, the pit boss at the Sands. And, of course, you know, some of the men she worked with, you know, felt less than good about that, um, you know, didn't want her there in that position of power. Um, it seemed to irk her. So they would call her that blink broad. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they would even write that down instead of her name on, like, the time board. Uh, oh my wow. gosh yeah so and she and she re- has related that she spent you know a couple years like hiding in the women's bathroom instead of going to the break room uh, to avoid the men oh I had not heard that um, okay. but still she you know she went on to have an amazing career you know rose uh, to have executive roles with MGM Absolutely. and the win and and you know she's another one who really gives back to women um, encouraging women mentoring women you know that's some of the things that she's um, most proud of is you know women that she's been able to raise up that's super. Have you found that to be a characteristic of a lot of the women that went ahead? That they were willing to reach back and help? Yes, um, and maybe it's the women I've interviewed for this book in particular, but, you know, all of them, they're very active in global gaming women and, and giving back and helping other women to see the possibilities. And I actually see that, you know, we always talk about the uh, legislature in this state being the uh, primarily first prime uh, majority female, but that is Democrat and Republicans. And I yes. do find that within this state, there is a characteristic that when women get positions, whether you agree with them or not, mm-hmm. they have their collection of people who they are also helping. There is something about the atmosphere of the state, unlike where I first entered the business world in New York Mm -hmm. in the 70s when it was a very, you know, the whole progress of women was quite new. It was not as generous as my experience has been in this state, for sure. And I wonder if that's partly because, you know, coming from the East Coast of Las Vegas, I realized very quickly that it's a a big, small town. Yes. Mm -hmm. And everybody is, you know, one degree, two degrees separated from each other. Yes. Yep. For sure. Well, let's take it back. I actually want to, because you both are authors, mm-hmm. and um, I'm kind of a wannabe author, but I want to know how you've balanced, or maybe not balanced, but you had a career, a son, you know, a husband. How'd you get the book done? 
Well, thank goodness I had most of it written before the pandemic hit and my son went to, you know, online school. Oh, boy. Um, It's very difficult to get anything done when Mm -hmm. you're, you know, trying to also monitor your child's online learning. Um, Even in kindergarten and now first grade, it's still... You know, and it will get better. This has just been the first week of first grade, and you know, it's all new technology. This is the link here. This is the password there. It's mm-hmm. it's hard for parents, mm-hmm. right? Yes, that's something I have heard repeatedly through, especially for because the children themselves are not very advanced technologically. Mm-hmm. They know how to maneuver, but the 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 it, this is real. <laughs> this is how you're going to learn, mm-hmm. and it's a very different relationship. It is. And, and the other way I got the, the book done, you know, not just having my son not at home, um, but I have a friend of mine I went to law school with, Eric Keister. Um, he was a professor at Georgetown teaching a class on entrepreneurship, and he came up with a crazy idea to have the, the students write a book in the course of a semester. Wow. wow. And he actually had a few students who, who did that and, you know, were published wow. um, that first semester. But he's since, you know, fine-tuned the program, and now he has something called the Creator Institute. Um, and you know, it's a course, I think you pay like $300 really? for it and I can give you, she a, wants a his, link. I will <laughs> give you his link. contact information. Um, but it's like the structure that I needed. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I write yes. incredibly fast, but I still need someone to Absolutely. give me a deadline. You betcha. You know, and, and they're like, you know, you need 10,000 words by this date. And, you know, I'd wait until five days before and then I'd write all 10,000 <laughs> words in like three days. Um, unfortunately, you know, they also, they have the structure, they have the deadlines and they have like layers of editors taking you from like the broad content to, you know, putting it into, uh, you know, chapters and making it make sense. And then, you know, going all the way down to copy edit level. So like that's the kind of program and structure I needed. I would have never done it on my own. Yeah, because it is actually, I've started reading it. I haven't finished it yet, but mm-hmm. I, I will. Because it, it is very well written, and um, it flows very easily. And so um, that's a credit to you. And I was like, well, I wonder if it's that her journalism background or <laughs> if it's because she was a lawyer or now it's because maybe that class. <laughs> or all of the above. All three, right. Yes, 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 J School definitely teaches you how to you know get to the point. Yes. <laughs> Make the point. And being a lawyer, you know, you have to tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them, provide your support, and then mm-hmm. remind them what you just told them. And Yes. What that, would you want women to know as they were progressing through the ranks that would help them maybe be successful based on, you know, your interviews? Um, well, one thing is that you might be more highly regarded than you think. Um, one of the stories in this book um, is about Eleanor Dumont, and she was a, a gambler back in the Wild West. And um, you know, she did uh, amazing things, and she, you know, was renowned for you know beating men at at poker and you know having all this skill. Um, but you know, later in her life, she at one point, you know, was was broke. She borrowed three hundred dollars to gamble and lost it, and she wandered off into the desert and killed herself. And it was incredibly sad. And at first, I thought, do I put this in the book? You know, I have a book about hope. Why? Why? Where does this story fit in? Um, But then I read about her funeral, and um, I'll read you the quote here. A a local newspaper um, said, It is said that of the hundreds of funerals held in the mining camp of Bodie, that of Eleanor Dumont was the largest. The gamblers of the place buried her with all honors, and carriages were brought from Carson City, a distance of 120 miles, especially to be used in the funeral cortege. 
And if she had known Known that, that, if she could have seen how well-respected she was, Mm -hmm. she probably wouldn't have taken her home life. So, you know, maybe that's a dramatic example, but when it comes to your career, you know, you might feel bad about yourself. You know, we all have imposter syndrome, especially as women. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, maybe you are more highly regarded than you think. And maybe if you ask for that job or you ask for that promotion or, or you try for it, you might just get it. You might just surprise yourself. Yeah. No, I, I really want to um, support that story as a very important one. So I think your highlighting that story gives true fairness to the hope conversation that you wanted to bring forward. And it is the part in all careers that we tend to lose when we start thinking that we are not having an impact, that we've tried so hard and gotten nowhere, that you need to be remembered. And it is stories like this collection that helps us all remember those types of things. So, you know, for me, I think that is a perfect example of the overall work, and it gives balance to the stories because it is not a pretty street to try and succeed in any industry, especially when there are so many firsts to, to go on. The other thing that I like about it is you talk about many of the women were unlucky in love. <laughs> which I don't think is a good thing, but like, frankly, I've been unlucky until my husband now. And so I do appreciate, you know, having that support person that really supports you. But, you know, that has not always been the way. And I don't want people to lose their way just because they've been unlucky, right, mm-hmm. to give mm-hmm. up because they're unlucky in love. Well, and that's an unlucky in love or unlike unlucky in life, unlucky in your career, you know, with this pandemic, a lot of people are feeling very unlucky and down right right now, Um, which, you know, the timing of this book coming out is kind of maybe fortuitous, you know, meant to be because Mm -hmm. it is a book about hope and looking at, you know, people who were faced with incredible hardships and and tragedies in their life. And, you know, they they kept going and they ended up accomplishing amazing things and, you know, it shows that, you know, maybe you don't know where the path is going. Mm-hmm. You don't know, you know, what is the meaning of this? Um, but sometimes, you know, like they say, a, a door closes, a window opens. I can't think of a better note to end on that <laughs> hopeful comic, especially now in the pandemic where we're all wanting to be hopeful and wanting to progress and progress women. So, Jennifer, thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Jennifer Gaynor is the author of the new book, that expletive broad. Jennifer, we wish you the best. I'm Andrea Gigline. And I'm Christy Atwater. And this is Hey Boss Lady. <laughs>